This is the reality. And a hearty hello to you from me, Dudley Anderson. Welcome to The Reality, a half-hour talk show talking about the reality of real life as found through Jesus Christ. If you've got a story to tell of the reality of Jesus in your life, I would love to hear from you. Please do email me, Dudley, at surereality.net. Don't worry if you missed it. I'll give you that email address again later on in the show. Today we speak to Jonathan Ferguson, preacher and CEO of Revival Culture Now. Revival Culture Now's vision is to model the love and the leadership and the impact and the power of the original Acts Church in today's world. Jonathan is also a best-selling author of eight books and active as a social media influencer. Jonathan Ferguson came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior at the age of eight. I like to say I was a good sinner. I never used profanity. I never been drunk. I've never gotten into substance abuse. But I knew that I didn't really come into the knowledge of salvation. I was just kind of uh, mimicking something that I've seen in church. I was not in the clear, and the Holy Spirit began to convict me. And I knew if I died, I would not go to heaven. And He's not just the convictor and the counselor. He's the comforter. And it's His job to transform us, not our job. And we have to surrender to His power and His Spirit to change us. Well, it's my pleasure to have uh, Jonathan Ferguson today on Skype on The Reality. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Apostle Jonathan, you are a preacher, the CEO of a ministry called Revival Culture Now. You uh, do television ministry, radio ministry, write books, incredible stuff. But I need to ask you, as I always do, how did you come to know Jesus as your own personal Lord and Savior? Well, I really believe I had a call in my life um, from birth, and I had just a sense of God's hand on my life. Um, of course, that doesn't mean I was saved. Um, I came into salvation at the age of eight, and I did not um, stay committed as I grew. Um, I like to say I was a good sinner. Um, I didn't do certain things like I never used profanity. I never uh, drunk alcohol. I've never been drunk. I've never... Um, gotten into substance abuse. So I was a good sinner, but I knew that I didn't really come into the knowledge of salvation. I was just kind of um, mimicking something that I've seen in church. And I wanted to serve God and I wanted to live with Jesus. And I had given him my heart because that's the only thing I was taught to do. But um, I was not in the clear and the Holy Spirit began to convict me around the age of 16. And I knew if I died, I would not go to heaven. Um, It was not condemnation. It was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And um, January the 15th, 2001, I had a real encounter with Jesus Christ. Hmm. And I knew he was in the room with me. Um, I've had a lot of visions and things since then. Um, Just like Paul on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9 where he's seen Jesus, he had seen Jesus, and that was the credentials of his apostleship, um, that he had seen Jesus, just like the original apostles. And I've had visions where I've seen Jesus after that point, but I didn't see him at that point. I just felt a personified physical presence with me, Hmm. and I knew it was Jesus Christ. And that changed my life forever. It was a Monday. 
it was a Monday evening, mm-hmm. and I went back to school. I was a senior in high school at that time, and I went back to school, and everything was different. And I was witnessing at lunch tables. I was preaching the gospel without being religious about it. Um, people made a connection because prior to that, I was very popular in my high school and around the city as a young as a young um, kid, mm-hmm. as a teenager, and it was a drastic difference in my lifestyle um, after that point with my initial encounter with Jesus Christ. So that changed my life forever. Mm-hmm. And I never felt the presence of God so real. And I said to myself, and I don't remember, but I believe I said it in a prayer, that if Jesus is that real, no one in their right mind would not serve him. And I knew people, the only problem with people coming to Christ was they did not have a real experience or encounter with him. Mm-hmm. And that changed my life forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Certainly does. Wow. Incredible stuff. Uh, you said, uh, you you know, before this experience, you, you, you believed you had a call on your life, even before you gave your life to Jesus. How did you know that? Well, when I played toys, uh, my toys were preachers. <laughs> um, I had Ninja Turtle toys, so Shredder was... <laughs> Ninja Turtle preacher, right? <laughs> Shredder was the pastor. <laughs> I could have picked one of the, the heroes, but I picked the villain. Uh, but isn't that a testimony of grace? Uh, God picked the villain, <laughs> and we all were the villains, and um, he changed our lives. Yeah. Yeah, incredible stuff, amazing. You said, too, that uh, you know you went back to school uh, and things were different. Was that just through your eyes, or did people notice difference in you? People noticed a difference. Um, so three months later, I preached my first sermon at my home church, and a lot of my high school um, friends, they came to hear that sermon. And um, when I went to college, I went to college on a full scholarship, and they nicknamed me Reverend. That was that was my nickname in, in college. Hmm. They called me Rev. So everyone knew something was different. And uh, people began to become curious and inquisitive about their walk with the Lord because of that. So I didn't, I didn't really, of course, I knew I was changed, but I didn't know it was impacting people around me hmm. as much. Now, I'm just curious because you said that you know you you didn't you, you were a, a good sinner so to speak uh, you know not involved in drugs and 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 all the other nasty stuff so um, you know I'm wondering what was different then in your life after you received Jesus? It was the purity, the relationship, a real genuine relationship, and I did things. Um, I had a problem with girls and um, sexual immorality. Um, Prior to marriage, I had only slept with one female, but it was still a thing in my heart. It was still a thing in my life, mm-hmm. pornography, things like that. So I didn't have any behavioral sins mm-hmm. other than sexual sins, mm-hmm. um, masturbation, pornography, things like that. But when people looked at me, I was the pastor's kid. I was a PK, so mm-hmm. I could do nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, my behavior was modified to look like Christianity, but I knew my heart. I knew my heart was wrong. And that's what Ezekiel said, um, that God would take out the heart of stone mm-hmm. and it would give us a heart of flesh. Mm-hmm. And um, the Old Testament talks about how the heart is deceitful 
and wicked above all things who can know it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I felt that that's what the conviction of the Spirit comes to do. And, and when the Holy Spirit came, as Jesus promised in Acts chapter 1, and when he came in Acts chapter 2 in the upper room, the first thing that happened was he convicted those who were around um, of their sins. So I had never had that experience. I just had a knowing that God, God's hand was on me, but I had never been convicted of the reality that I was not good. Mm-hmm. And the truth, the reality is, as you've rightly uh, expressed, uh, you know, um, we can live a good life and, and act out a good life. But the truth is, you know, the heart is still corrupt to the core because the Bible says, uh, you know, we're born into sin, um, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you've just described um, sinful uh, notion or, or thinking. And Jesus also said, for example, that if we look at a woman with lust in her heart, we commit adultery. So we actually commit the sin, although we don't physically do it, we do it in the heart. So there is a need, you know, somebody perhaps is just listening to you today and thinking, oh, he's talking a lot of nonsense. I'm a good man. I'm okay, Jack. You know, I don't need this God stuff in my life. I don't do bad stuff. But we all need him, don't we? We need him. And I would say, don't listen to me. Invite the Holy Spirit. Ask God to show you where you stand with him and change your heart. Because that's what happened to me. I was in church every Sunday. One of my punishments, um, one of my punishments growing up was I could not go to church. So it took the conviction of the Spirit. And that's something that no one can avoid. That's something that's beyond theology, it's beyond arguments, it's beyond belief systems and choices of religion. And uh, when God, when God's spirit begins to deal with us, uh, no one can run from that reality. This is just very interesting as we're chatting, uh, Jonathan. We're going to get onto your work in just a minute, but um, you know, just thinking a little, a little bit about this, you know, and the change in our hearts. And our attitudes. The scripture says that um, the Holy Spirit, as you've rightly put, uh, is the convictor of the world in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. Uh, but when we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, He becomes the counselor. So, again, perhaps somebody listening up today uh, is still battling with some of these things in his or her life, and he knows Jesus as Lord and Savior. How do I open myself up to the counsel of the Holy Spirit to help me to get through these things? For example, you know, dealing with uh, um, uh, pornography, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm glad you said that because I was thinking that. And he's not just the convictor and the counselor. He's the comforter. Yeah. So he understands where we are. And it's his job to transform us, not our job. Now, um, we can renew our minds, and that's really the equation for transformation, according to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. First, we have to submit our lives to God. We have to offer our lives to him and come to a place of vulnerability. I think a lot of people try so hard to be Christian that they're not vulnerable enough for the Spirit of God to work out the life of Christ in us. Mm-hmm. We have to become vulnerable because he's the comforter. And we have to know that without him, we can't do anything. And we have to surrender to his power and his spirit to change us. And that happens gradually. Um, as everyone knows, everyone has weaknesses. But I teach, I don't have the same weaknesses and struggles that I had last year. Because the Bible says in Second Corinthians chapter 3 in the last verse, Verse 18, we are being changed 
and transformed from glory to glory. So we become more like Jesus the more we spend time with him. And that goes back to Romans 12. How do you open up to the counsel or the comfort of the spirit? And I think it's as simple as the Bible says. It says, after we offer our lives to him, a living sacrifice, verse two, it says, then we can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And it's the, re- it's the renewing of the mind that comes about by the Word of God, through mm. the Scripture. And when you get in the Scripture, the voice of the Spirit is the voice of the Word. And when you get in the Word of God to learn the Word of God, your mind gets renewed, and now you're open to His counsel. It's the Spirit of God that makes the Scriptures alive. So the Spirit and the Scripture, they're inseparable. You need the scripture and you need the spirit and they will always back each other. Mm-hmm. Word and spirit. I always say that uh, the word of God confirms the actions of the spirit and the spirit activates the word of God. We have to, you know, we have to uh, check out uh, all the spirituality in our lives by what is written in the word of God. Uh, and likewise, the Holy Spirit makes the word of God come alive in our lives. Good stuff. Uh, Jonathan, That's thank amazing. you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for, for sharing that. We're going to take a little break. And uh, when we get back, I'm going to ask you about your work. You're listening to The Reality, produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. We depend on the generous gifts of our listener to produce this program. You can help reach millions of folks with the sure reality of the message of Jesus by becoming a sure reality vision partner. To partner with us, please visit the website surereality.net and click on Become a Vision Partner. You're listening to The Reality. I'm Dudley Anderson. If you've just joined us, perhaps clicked on in on our podcasts. It's really good to have your company. Just to remind you that the reality is indeed podcast through the website surereality.net. If you've been listening up today and you have some questions in your heart, I would love to answer those questions or perhaps pray with you. Feel free to email me, dudley at surereality.net. That is dudley, spelled D-U-D-L-E-Y, at surereality.net. Net. But today on The Reality, we're speaking to Jonathan Ferguson, CEO of Revival Culture Now. Jonathan came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior at the age of eight, but he didn't commit his life to Christ until the age of 16. Jonathan grew up in a church environment. He believed he was, in his words, a good sinner. That is, he wasn't involved in drugs, alcohol, or loose living. He tried to mimic the Christian lifestyle. But at age 16, the Holy Spirit broke through and began to work in Jonathan's life. He realized that his faith was not real. In fact, if he died, he would not go to heaven. Jonathan surrendered his life to Jesus Christ to serve him for the rest of his life. The change was evident. Jonathan returned to school, in fact, and began preaching in school. He developed the desire to preach the Word of God wherever he went. This radio show's title, The Reality, is based upon Colossians 2 verse 17. It reminds us that the reality of real Christian living can only be found in a total surrender to God through Jesus Christ. These things we face in life are a mere shadow. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Jonathan Ferguson sensed the call of God at an early age. Jonathan now heads up Revival Culture Now, a ministry moving in the miraculous. In fact, Jonathan Ferguson has witnessed people being raised from the dead. 
Let's pick up our conversation with Jonathan Ferguson once again to find out more. Well, I'm speaking to Jonathan Ferguson today on The Reality. We've just found out how he gave his life to Jesus and Jesus transformed his life. Uh, he is Jesus. God is in, in the business of transformation, and I thank God for that. Uh, Jonathan, you run a ministry entitled Revival Culture Now. Tell us about that. Revival Culture. Well, the doors open in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and while everyone was closing doors, we were opening ours. And we just believe that Jesus, according to Hebrews chapter 13, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we begin to see healings and miracles. And so many people were healed from COVID-19 that Facebook threatened to permanently um, delete my account. I still have the screenshot Hmm. um, of the message to me. They did not want us testifying. Um, that God had healed people from COVID. And it was not just Christian people. Uh, One of the most profound healings, it was a Muslim lady um, who was healed from COVID-19 through faith in Jesus Christ. And of course, she began to turn towards Jesus after that. Uh, But that was a real threat. And it's called revival culture because I believe the book of Acts is a book of revival. Um, You won't see the word revival if you're reading it in English. But if you read the original language, the word revival is in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. It says Jesus will be contained and held in the heavens until the times of refreshing and the the restoration of all things. And the word refreshing in the original language is revive, Mm -hmm. to bring back to life. Um, And speaking of bringing back to life, that's one of the things that marks our ministry in two years Uh, We've seen seven resurrections from the dead. Um, We've seen paralysis healed. We've seen blinded eyes open. We've seen deaf ears open. And we believe that we're living in the book of Acts. Hmm. Hmm. That's that's quite phenomenal. You say you've actually witnessed resurrection from the dead? Yes. Can you give us a story? Let me start with this story. And that is, all the resurrections are not my story. And I like to bring that up because um, we train people in the power of God. That's one of the highlights of our ministry. Ephesians chapter 4 says that the apostles and the prophets and the teachers and evangelists and pastors, our job is to equip people and train them to do ministry. So I've only participated in two resurrections. Um, The other five have been performed by people who have been properly equipped, as Ephesians 4 tells us to do. So these are other members in the church. Um, One of my testimonies of the resurrection from the dead is a high profile, the child of a high profile individual. So I can't mention the name yet until another year. And they actually died from a vaccine. And um, I remember the body being there blue and black. And while I was walking to the room, um, to pray because I believe it was not God. The Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians 15 that it is possible to die before your time. I think one of the biggest mistakes of the church is everyone that dies, we either put them in heaven or if they die, we say it's the will of God. And the Bible is very clear that there are people who died before their time, which is why there are other testimonies of resurrections in the scripture in both the Old and New Testament. 
I knew by the spirit that this person was not supposed to be dead. And as I was going to pray for them, when I saw the body, um, well, before I saw the body, while I was walking in the room, all these clips were playing in my head of how possibly this individual would be raised from the dead. And um, I remember stories about Smith Wigglesworth, how he picked someone literally out of a coffin and threw them against the wall. You can Google that and find that story. Um, stories of Elijah. And when I got in the room, I didn't have the chance to do anything. Um, I was about to point and say in Jesus' name. And before I can finish saying Jesus, life came back into their body. And how long do you think they were dead? This person was only dead about four minutes. And that, and that was confirmed? No heartbeat, no breathing? Oh, yes, it was confirmed. Wow, okay. Yeah, the body was blue and, and black. Another, The other testimony of a person, they actually had the tag on their toe. Uh -huh. And we have the picture, we have the picture of the, um, the, the confirmation of death, the time of death. Goodness me. Um, yes. And they were raised from the dead. So that's wow. the only other one I participated in. Wow. There are other people in the congregation that participated in the others. That's incredible. Well, praise God. Uh, and again, anybody listening up, uh, we encourage them to get into the Word of God. We just said earlier that uh, the Word confirms the actions. And so we need to find out what the Word of God says. And thank you for sharing that with us. Um, Jonathan, you also said, I believe on the website I read, it says, uh, Revival Culture Now's vision is to model the love and the leadership, the impact and the power of the original church in today's world. How would you describe the original church? The original church was a force and an influence that the devil could do nothing about. Um, I think right now Christianity has just become almost another religion in a lot of ways. Um, but the original church was such a voice of influence that everyone had to deal with it. Everyone had to face the reality that this man named Jesus was actually raised from the dead. Hmm. And because of that, he was the one sent to um, die for our sins. So the prophecies of the Messiah were prominent. Um, it was, it was a religion birthed out of religion. Christianity, really, you have Judaism and then you have Christianity. And those are two different religions, but the same God. The God of the Jews is the God of the Christians. Mm -hmm. And um, the history of how it was primed and set up in the world looking for a leader that this superpower was known for, God working with them. And this man named Jesus shows up and he's an icon. I mean, no one is more popular than Jesus. He's hated, he's loved, but everyone knows him. And then he dies on the cross and the Bible says in Matthew 28 that the entire earth was dark. So this was, these were major things taking place. He upset governments. Um, they were looking for a new king and, you know, he was, he was killed because of, um, on treason. 
um, Pilate and Herod and and the governments and the kings of the day, they didn't want another king. They didn't want a superpower. So everyone knew who Jesus was. And now he's raised from the dead. So it, it's just completely different. It's, it's not a church on a corner and or a Bible belt in a specific city or a nation or it's not an American faith. This is the resurrection of a man named Jesus who people believe to be the coming king to rule the world. Hmm. He's raised from the dead, and now everyone's hearing about it. Mm-hmm. And this message, the resurrection of Jesus, was very radical. At the, well, it's still radical today, <laughs> the resurrection of the dead. But it was radical in the days uh, of the early church. Um, you know, we had the uh, the Pharisees who believed in resurrection and the Sadducees who disagreed in any form of regi- resurrection. And here come the disciples, and they're preaching the resurrection, uh, the living resurrection, active re- resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was a radical uh, a statement, a radical move, and it radically impacted the world. Do you think that we need a message like that today? I think we need to understand that message and its implications so we can see its DNA still woven in our culture. Uh, I think when we think the cross and we think Jesus, we think church, and we don't think God coming to save his planet. But he has, and he is, We've got to get out there and get the job done. Fantastic. Jonathan, we've been chatting a while. Just in closing, uh, I'd like to ask you, if you've got a a word for somebody perhaps listening up and they find themselves in the the pit of life, what's your word for them today? Nothing's impossible with God. God always raises us up out of our lowest places. I know it sounds simple, but that's the first thing that comes to my spirit when you ask me that. How can I find that? I think people try to avoid the low place, but I was I would embrace it. He said, in your weakness, then I'm, I'm made strong. And don't lose hope in it. The low place is not the end. It's not the end of your future. It's not the end of your life. That's the place where God can be really shown in your life and he can come in and show himself to be who he is. When you're out of when you're out of options, when you don't have anything or anyone to turn to, now it's just you and God, and that's actually a really, really good place to be in. Absolutely, Jesus faced a low place in his life, and he hung up on the cross. And we read in Hebrews that tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured his low place, his pit, the cross and saw himself victorious on the other side. Fantastic. Jonathan Ferguson, thank you so much for joining us today on The Reality. Well, it's my pleasure today to have spoken to Jonathan Ferguson for The Reality. To remind you, if you have any questions, I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me by email, dudley at surereality.net. If anything we've mentioned so far in the program has just, you know, struck a chord in your heart, I'd love to receive an email from you. We can pray and chat together. Dudley at surereality.net. You know, as I was listening to Jonathan share his testimony with us, Matthew chapter 7 from verse 13 to 14 came to mind when Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. 
that path to eternal life is narrow. You know, we get so distracted by the things of the world, the shadows in the world, that we lose sight of the reality of the path that leads us to eternal life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way to get to that place of life except by surrendering our lives to Jesus. We cannot mimic faith just as we heard today in The Reality. If you'd like to know more, I would love to chat with you. Dudley at surereality.net. This program has been produced by Sure Reality, a listener-supported radio ministry. With your prayer and financial support, we can produce these radio programs to touch lives around the world, changing lives for the good, for good. If you'd like to know more, please visit the website surereality.net and click on the menu option, Become a Vision Partner. From me, Dudley Anderson, to you as always, keep your eyes on Jesus and walk in the sure reality of Christ. Christ.